Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and study your word and to learn who we are in Christ as we go forward in this. We just thank you and ask for your leading and guiding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, today we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. The God has given us spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts, if you've been around Christianity long enough, you know that this is very popular with the Pentecostal charismatic group. They, everything is about spiritual gifts with them, and uh, Baptists kind of downplay them a little bit. I don't downplay them, but I also don't elevate them above what they are. So we're going to start in Romans 12. Verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that hath teaching on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do so simplicity, with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So this is, this is a small list of gifts that, that people may have as they're looking at it. First thing we want to look at is we want to remember that they are gifts. And gifts by definition are freely given by the giver. Uh, nobody can, well I guess somebody could force you to give a gift, but then it's technically not a gift if they forced you to do so. You know, because then it's no longer a gift, it's, it's done by compulsion, but a gift is something you give freely. If you go to a birthday party and you or a wedding, wedding, you bring a gift because you want to bless that person, not because it's required or anything. And God gives us gifts. The gifts that are listed here, uh, and he, notice that he says they differ according to the grace that is given to us. So everybody's going to have different gifts. And as Paul says in Corinthians, which we'll be going to later, you know, if we are the body. You know, everybody's not a finger, everybody's not an eye, everybody's not an ear. You know, and can you imagine a body made up of all ears? You know, it, it would be a very funny looking body to begin with and couldn't and taste any... Well. Huh? It would hear well. It would hear very well, but it wouldn't have any speech or, or feet to make it do anything. Or, you know, it might learn a lot, but it's not going to do anything. So, or whole body made out of fingers. Supposedly could do something, but it's not going to hear for direction. It's not going to speak. And so this is, this is the gifts will be differed. And he starts out with prophecy. Now, the first thing we're going to look at as we look at prophecy is what is prophecy? Okay, and I'm going to ask that. Does anybody have an idea of what prophecy means? Foretelling. Uh, seeing the future. Foretelling or seeing the future is usually the one thing that people know about prophecy. Okay. Um, well, I know what it says here in um, verse 6. It says, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, um, which I guess they were trying to explain what a prophecy was in forms of matters as um, the, I guess the chosen ones from God has seen, right? Okay. I think you might be closer to the, what, the right answer. Prophecy has an element of future, but it also is to speak with authority of somebody. So anybody who's teaching the Word of God is actually prophesying if they're listening to God. Not all teachers listen to God, so you can't say that it's true that teaching is, all teaching is prophecy. But prophecy is to speak with the authority of somebody. 
And that's what most of the prophecies and prophets in the Old Testament were. They spoke very authoritative. This is what God says about this topic. Oftentimes they also for, you know, gave God's statement about the future, uh, but it's not necessarily speaking of future. So he's, God says, I've given some prophecies. Some people speak with authority of God because they're listening to God. And this is why it's talking here about uh, according to their portion of faith. The more they, more they have faith in speaking with, you know, listening to God, the more they're going to speak. Because I can tell you, it's kind of scary sometimes when you hear something from God and you've got to say it, say it, and you know that it, number one, it may offend somebody. Number two, it's kind of speaking into the future because you're talking about something that they're making a decision on and it's kind of scary sometimes and you if you don't have enough faith you're not going to say it because it's going to be well I don't have enough faith to be able to believe that this is what I'm supposed to say or do the other gift that he talks about here is uh, the gift of ministry and we don't really think usually of, of the gift of ministry but I like to let people know churches do not run unless people are there to minister uh, who's gonna Who's going to, you know, do the do the landscaping unless you pay somebody to do it? Who Who does the music? Who does the the cleaning? Who does the the maintenance work? You know, there's lots of things that happen in a church, especially small churches like ours, that you can't afford to pay somebody to. You can't pay. We can't afford to pay a landscaper. We can't afford to pay a, somebody to be in here to to clean up and to do do maintenance so we have to have people in the church that are willing to step up and say I want to minister in that area and then of course there's ministries of talking to people and teaching and you know if we ever get to the place where we bring young people in here there may be a need for daycare and you know there's a Sunday school you know there's all these ministries that need to be done and the larger we get the more ministries we have to get and then maybe you get to the point where you're large enough that you say okay now we can hire people to do some of what used to be given by free will. And so ministry is a very strong gift, very important gift. A lot of times they're in the background, nobody sees them, but that's fine. They're still just as valuable to the church and as valuable to God. And when you've got the ministry, you want to wait on that. He that teaches on will teach. And this is where prophecy, prophecy. a lot of prophets will be teachers, but not all teachers will be prophets. Because it's easy to study material and just present information. And I've seen many people do that. It's, it's fairly easy to do. So if you're a teacher, that is not a, is not a bad thing. It's what we need. We all need to learn. We all need to be taught. And then it says, he that gives, let him do with simplicity. And simplicity here literally means that he is going to be sincere, going to be, you know, um, uh, honest with it. And there are people who have a gift of giving. We're all expected to give to God. You know, that's a, that's a given where, where God expects us to give to him. He expects our tithe. But there's some people that are so giving that Actually, they'd give you the back uh, shirt off their back if you, if, you know, if you asked them for it. They're just, they're just that easygoing on giving. And I am not one of those. I can give my tithes, I can give my offerings, but I'm pretty tight with everything else beyond those a lot of times. I'm getting better over the years, and God's blessing me. But I know people that will give you anything. You know, well, I really like that. Here, have it. <laughs> 
Uh, and that's just the way they are. They want to reach out to people. Uh, they want to make people feel good. They want to, they want to just share. Uh, met people who are very generous. And I have to work at being generous. You know, God is doing a, doing a work in that area with me. He that rules with diligence. And ruling is something that we need people that are rulers, that just, they are set over people, they want to, they want to preside, they, you know, they're, they're given the gifts of administration and, and running things. Nothing's worse than to hand somebody control of something that has no gifts of ruling. And they will mess it up every time. I've seen it happen on many occasions. And I did management training. I, I met people who were hired as managers that shouldn't be managers. And just watching them not, you know, fumble around in it, and it says, with diligence. That somebody will spend the time and do what needs to be done. Um, when I first took this position here at, the, at this church's pastor, I used to run just about everything at College Park. And just before I left, you know, they had an event, and the pastor said, well, don't take this wrong, but we need to do this without your help. And I go, okay. And I knew they needed to do it without my help. But it was fun to watch all the little, funny to watch all, all the little things that didn't get done that I knew needed to be done because there was somebody new trying to step into that position. And that's where an administrator or ruler comes in. They go, okay, they think of the little things that could go wrong and they make a plan for what could go wrong. And sometimes you don't need it. Hopefully you don't need them. But if you don't have a plan, you could end up totally confused. Well, I was just uh, thinking, Pastor, is just exactly what you were saying, is that um, we get like a little overwhelmed at times, and then that we look into things, and we overlook on things sometimes. But, you know, like for me, i just rather be careful than be sorry. So I like to, I'm one of those people that are OCD, I'm like, okay, what if this happens, what if this happens, what if this, we do that, or whatever. And then it's just Thank like you. overbearing sometimes. It can be. You know? It can oh. be. And when I trained managers, I had to have those plans in the back of my mind because I had to let them get into, get into the weeds, basically, and say, okay, what am I going to do if they do this and they freak out? Because mm -hmm. I needed to find out how they were going to react when they got there. Yeah. Did they, could they think of a plan on the fly, or did they... You know, where they're going to totally fall apart, and then my plan, if they fell apart, was you know kick in before they totally fell apart, yeah. and then be able to talk to them later on. Mm -hmm. But it is hard. It is hard. Some some people just aren't gifted enough in that area to be able to say, "This is what we're going to do." Uh, we did it Sunday when the when the sound totally went out. I said, "Okay, well we'll just skip the sound and we'll go to we'll re you know re reintroduce some other songs." Yeah. Uh, and now that I've worked with Johnny, I now know how to fix it. <laughs> So, yeah. But and then it says, you know, then we go on to outside of ruling those who show mercy with cheerfulness. Isn't the mercy is a great gift to have, you know, because you want we all want mercy, and there are people that are very merciful, and then there's others that have a hard time forgiving and and letting go of stuff. And again, this is one of those. And many of these gifts were all called to do these gifts at various times. But there are certain people who are extremely gifted at these, these positions. We're all expected to give mercy. 
But there's some people who have no problem giving mercy. It is just an automatic for them to be forgiven and, and give mercy. Uh, we're, we're all called to teach in certain, six, in certain situations, but not everybody is a teacher. Uh, we all have a chance to kind of rule at times, but not all people are rulers. And so we want to remember God gives them, but these are also gifts of the Spirit. So at any time that we need it, God can give us the gift. We, some of these gifts aren't permanent for people. Certain gifts are, that is the gift that somebody has, and it's given basically permanently. Some, you know, usually when somebody's a good teacher, they, they are a teacher. They're gifted to be a teacher. They will be a teacher in any situation. And I've been told to very, very, a lot of times that you know, people will talk with me and they go, well, I learned more in that five minutes with you than, than you know, a whole lot of time with other people. Yeah. And it's because I am gifted as a teacher. I love, to, I love to teach and I love to instruct. I love to bring out information. That is what I'm gifted to do. Uh, doing things uh, like giving is not one of my strongest strongest gifts. I give, I give because I because God wants me to give, and I know that He wants me to give, and I give cheerfully. I know I'm not holding back, but it is not a place where my first thought when somebody says they need something is to hand it to them. And I know people that are like that. Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow I get to spend the day working on my car, as you all saw. My white car is here, not my not my Nissan, because my Nissan is broken down, and I don't know that I can fix it. So, you got to put more quarters in. Yeah, I need more quarters in. Needed to. Yeah, it jumped out of gear and won't go back into gear, and it's an automatic. So I'm wondering if one of the linkages went out. Hopefully, it's something that simple. What happened to my son's car? He's stuck in ninth, fourth, and fifth. <laughs> fourth and fifth is a hard gear to be stuck in. My, I got mine down into second finally because I could start the car and I could go 30 miles an hour without too much whining. There's a stick shift. They're uh, throwing out cables on the MR2s. It's a mid-engine. Yeah. Hope it's simple for you. I hope so. Otherwise, God's going to have to give me money for a car because I don't have it. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the gifts. The entire chapter is about gifts. Uh, the Corinthian church was a church that was very gift-oriented. They, they, raised, they raised the gifts of real high. First Corinthians. So they raised the gifts to a very high, high level, and, they, and, uh, and Paul had to write them a little bit about gifts. Uh, so we're going to look at this a little bit. Starting at verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I want... I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with the dumb idols, even, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you an understanding that no man speaks by the Spirit of God, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. So we want to start right there. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to speak the right things about Jesus. And you're not going to, you're not going to curse him if you have the spirit in you. So that's our first thing that he talks, talks about. That, that in, and of, in and of itself is the gift, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to speak correctly about Jesus. Verse four, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. 
There are differences of, of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone to profit where, where all. For, them, for to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, and another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So he's, he's getting in here, he's letting you know that it's the same Holy Spirit that gives gifts as he decides you need them. And this is where it's very important. If you come across somebody who's very charismatic, they're going to tell you, well, you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you're speaking in tongues. Well, their tongues are part of one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But Paul's going to come down at the end of this list, and he's going to say, not all speak in tongues. Because it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we're going to look at this, some of these gifts that Paul uh, talks about. He goes, first, there's a gift of wisdom. Now, we've been studying in Proverbs, wisdom is applied knowledge. So some people are given the gift of being able to apply God's word to people's lives. And we all, again, as we look at the gifts, we all have a small portion of these gifts because they're from the Holy Spirit. But the idea of being able to give wisdom, most important for us to be able to apply what we learn. Many people sit in churches their entire life and never apply what it is they hear. And I don't know if that's because it's not explained to them clearly or they're just having a trouble being able to apply it. There are others who everything they hear is applied to their life almost instantly. It's like, wow, I got this, this is no problem. And they apply it and they can look at others and be able to help them see the application of the word. And I try to make things as applicable as I can for people. You know, this is what God says. This is what we do. Very important for that. Another is the gift of knowledge. Now, if you're in a charismatic setting, they, they basically say that's being able to speak into somebody's life about their future, and I don't buy that. I believe that it's literally the ability to understand God's truth. Uh, maybe not apply it, because that's the gift of wisdom, but to understand what's being said which should lead to wisdom. I think those two are very closely tied together. When, but I have met people that seem to have know lots of things, but they don't know how to apply any of it. Yeah, can't change a tire, but know how to get to it. Yeah. What to do with it, but not to apply it anymore. Yeah, you know, well, I know that all I gotta do is take these nuts off, but I have no idea how to get the nuts off. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I can't fathom that because I was trained how to tire, change tires, and I trained all my kids when they learned to drive a car to change tires. Sometimes I made them change a regular tire that didn't need to be changed just so they would know how to do it. I mm -hmm. uh, did that with my daughter because I didn't want her stranded and, and dependent upon mm -hmm. somebody pulling up to help her because that can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I taught her how to change the tire. Not that she likes to, but <laughs> she knows how. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's very important for us to have wisdom and knowledge. And that is one of the gifts of the Spirit. We all, and again, we're all, we're all expected to learn from God's word, but there are some that it's just so simple for them to learn. We're all expected to apply his word, but there's some that it's very simple for them to apply. And uh, we want to be, be looking at those kind of things. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. Gift of faith. We all have a measure of faith. And what have we talked about? We've talked about faith. What is faith? Believing and not really being able to see. Believing without seeing or knowledge. Um, 
we, I've talked many times, we by faith sit in these chairs. Why? Because we assume that they're going to hold us up, they, and they always have in the past. If somebody was to bend the leg on one of these chairs and you sat down, some of us more likely than others, like myself, <laughs> the chair would not hold you up. Uh, and I've shared with you, you know, the, these little rental chairs that places use for, for activities that have little tiny, you know, little tiny uh, legs and they're usually white you know, and, they, and they look flimsy. I have learned not to sit in those. Why? Because I've sat in enough of them and had them crash underneath me that I say, I don't trust them. You might tell me you've reinforced one and it's a good one, it's better than most, but I'm going to look at it and say it looks like all the others that have collapsible floor be, be, uh, from under me, I'm not sitting in it. The ground comes fast. Yeah, the ground comes a little too fast and I'm getting a little too old to hit the ground hard. Uh, so, you know, but, so I do not have faith to sit in those chairs and whether it could hold me or not, you know, some of them have, some of them haven't but I don't have enough faith to really test it. And that's what faith is. I don't know for sure that something's gonna happen until I step out and do it. We get saved by faith. You know, when we get told the gospel message, we have faith in that message. And we step out and we prove that it is correct. And as we get deeper in it, the less faith, is, the less faith there is in it because it's been proven true over and over and over and over again. For me, I look back and say, it would be no problem now to get, you know, to get saved because to me it's just a little, little step over a small ditch. You know, it's not a, it's not a Grand Canyon sized faith anymore. But we look at this, how much, how much do we know? And some people have faith in God to make, do great things. Jesus said if you had faith enough, you could say to this mountain, be lifted up and moved into the sea. I don't have that much faith. Uh, but I do know that there's a story in the book about Pray and Hide where the kids in an orphanage wanted a mountain move so they could see the ocean and they prayed that the mountain would be moved into the sea because they had just learned that story. And then two day, a day or two later, the Army Corps of Engineering came and moved the, moved the mountain in to make a sea break. Uh, so yes, that does happen. Things out there have, some people have that much faith. I would love to have that much faith. I don't. But it's there. It's a gift, a special gift sometimes. Gift of healing. Some people are, seem to have a gift of healing. Now, I have prayed for people and they've gotten healed, but I do not believe that I have a gift of healing. We all have the capacity to pray for somebody and have the Holy Spirit move and have them healed. But I do know that there are certain people out there that are very much, when they pray, the people get healed. The scriptures tell us that Paul, you know, when he, he, when he just walked around people, they got healed. That's a lot of faith, a lot of, a lot of the gift of healing. But we want to remember, it is a gift from the Holy Spirit. That all of these have a purpose. If I had the gift of healing and I'm trying to make myself look good out of it, I won't have that gift very long. The Spirit will say, no, you're not lifting up, the, you're, you're not magnifying God with this, it's going to be taken away. Doctor. What's that? Then you'd be a doctor. Be a doctor. <laughs> you get paid for what you do. Yeah, uh, not that we trust most doctors usually, but to another, the working of miracles. Now, all the apostles seem to have the working of miracles, and I have seen miracles in my life, and so, you know they've been prayed for. So I would say again, it's one of those aspects that every one of these gifts we all have 
in a small measure when we need them. But the Holy Spirit gives certain people greater gifts in, a, in an area. I got lost here. Where am I at? Is it 12 or no? Uh, 10. We're, we're starting in verse 10. To another working miracles, to another prophecy, and again, that's the speaking with the authority of God, to another the discerning of spirits, and this one's very important, the discerning of spirits. And we all have a measure of discernment when we're, when we're saved because I've talked about this many times. When you're listening to a speaker and something just doesn't register as being correct, and God is saying, the Spirit is saying, you know, uh, as one, one pastor I heard, it's warning, 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 the klaxon's going off, you know, that, that something is wrong. You may not know exactly what's wrong, but everything in your body, everything in your spirit is screaming, something's not right. And that's important for us to learn to listen to because God has given us warning. Some people have great discernment. They, they tell you everything going on and what's, what the spirits are and what, what's wrong with the speaker. Uh, some people have it more than they think they do. Uh, less than they, they think they do, rather. And, and then to another, diverse kinds of tongues, and to another, interpretations of tongues. Uh, this is the one that the charismatics put on the top of the burner. You've got to speak in tongues. You've got to speak in tongues. Paul at one place says, you know, I'd rather speak, you know, five words that can be understood than, than a multitude of words that aren't understood. And I'm pretty much of that same school of thought. I went to a charismatic church. I, I, I have the ability to speak in tongues and pray in tongues. It doesn't impress me in any shape or form at all. No, it's just a bunch of... It's... And then here it says, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And I was taught to interpret ourselves. Mm -mm. Yeah, Actually, the way it's supposed to work is if you speak in tongues, somebody else has to interpret. Somebody else can interpret but tongues is also a more practical thing here because tongues is literally real languages. In the day of Pentecost, the, the apostles spoke a message and it said that all the people heard their own language. So it's real languages that are out there that people can speak and understand because that's what the purpose of it is, to be able to evangelize. Uh, and the way it's used in most places, that's not what it's done. It's not used for evangelism. It's not used for correction. The greatest example I've ever heard of tongues being used was a pastor from the States went to Finland. He was speaking a message with, a, with an interpreter. And about a third of the way through, the interpreter stopped interpreting, and, and he was preaching. And he asked, why are you, did you stop? And he goes, you're speaking perfect Finnish. I don't have to. And the guy did not speak Finnish. So that is the way tongues should work. Yeah, yeah. So that you can communicate the gospel to others and they'll understand. So that is the greatest use of tongues. And that is the way that I believe it's supposed to be used. Uh, I, I have not seen much use of it in the churches that I've seen it used in. And the messages really had nothing to do with evangelism and oftentimes didn't even have any love or grace in them. They were just really harsh harshness out of people's mouths and, and I don't believe it and so we want to look at those things you know and now I'm not going to say tongues are never of any use but it, it's one that has its place but all the, these work from one and 
one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills, the Holy Spirit. And so gifts are important. They help us get us. They help us live be beyond who we are. They help us to express God's nature and then express God because they are an expression of God. And the key to this whole thing is we all have gifts. The Spirit has given us gifts. Our job is to figure out what those gifts are and use them. And the more gifts we use, the, the more we use the gift he's given us, I believe he will give us more of his gifts because he is going to indwell us more and give us more of who he is and the gifts are who he is. So the more we walk with God, the stronger our gifts get, the stronger our, our, our use of them gets, the more we will be given. And is it possible to have all of them? Probably. Probably if you walk close enough with God. All nine, all the time, they seem to say. You learn to use all nine. It's just the more you use it, the more you learn it. The more you learn it, the more you use it. There is a truth to that, you know, but most people are never going to have all nine manifestations of the, of, that he gives in this list. And this list is not con exhaustive anyway. Because this does not include some of the ones that were in Romans 12. It does not include some of the gifts that are other, in other, other sections. The Holy Spirit is going to give us the gifts that he wants us to use for the way we're going to use them. You know, when we look back at the other one, the, the gift of giving is not listed in this one. The, the gift of uh, teaching was not listed in this one. He kind of lumped it all in prophecy, possibly. But in what Paul was trying to teach the Corinthian church is quit majoring on the gifts. Because the gifts are a, what they are, they're a gift. And what we should be majoring on is walking with Christ, giving the gospel message out, learning, learning to walk with him. Gifts are important because they do help us grow, but it is not the most important thing in the church because it is stepping out in faith. And every one of these gifts need to step out in faith. And if, we, if you're, you're never going to experience healing somebody if you don't step out and pray for their healing. And one of the things I've, I've seen, because I have been in both sides, I've been in Baptist and Pentecostal, one of the things you see in the Pentecostal church is people commanding God to heal people. You know, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to be healed. Uh, that is not valid. Because God has a place for sickness. He uses sickness in people's lives. But on the other side, you have a lot of people in the Baptist area. Well, God, maybe if possibly you might think it okay to heal this person, heal them. And you may, they're not actually saying those words, but you can hear the hesitancy in their voice about healing somebody. And it's two extremes that are both bad. You want to be in the center. And this is where discernment comes in. There's times when I prayed for people to be healed just because they've asked me to, be, asked me to pray for them. And I go, maybe their faith is greater than mine. There's other times when God has said, pray for this person to be healed, and if they don't get healed, I'm, I'm very surprised. And this happened to me at College Park when we prayed for a man who was on the heart transplant list. He was like number three or four on the list in Arizona to have a heart transplant. And he came up forward to be prayed for, and we prayed for him, and I knew he was going to be healed. So ne the next week when he came in running through the sanctuary and jumping up and down excited that he'd, his heart was repaired, it didn't surprise me. 
Uh, I have prayed with people that I really felt God saying pray for and they didn't get healed and those ones surprised me and I'm going, God, I don't understand this one. But we step out in faith. We listen to God. We, we step out in discernment. Uh, if you're going to be able to look for wisdom and understanding, you step out and you practice it. And this is where the statement that uh, Mark said, you know, the more you use them, the more, they, the more you get of them is true. Because you start building your faith. You, you, heal, you, you pray for somebody, they're healed, and your faith goes, wow, that's, that's pretty neat. They get, people get healed when you pray for them. And then you start praying more and more, and you see more and more healing, and your faith gets stronger and stronger. Doesn't mean you necessarily, everybody that you pray for is going to get healed. But you learn discernment with it. You learn to go forward. And discernment is probably the greatest gift. If you're going to look for any of the gifts, as far as I'm concerned, ask God for discernment so that you can discern the spirits. You can understand when somebody is speaking incorrectly for God. You, can, you, you understand what's going on around you. Discernment to me is the best gift. You know, I, don't, I would not say that there's anything wrong with the rest, but if I was gonna have any one gift of God, I'd want discernment. To be able to know what's going on around me and being able to see the spirit world in operation around me is a very important aspect. To be able to say, this is what's going on. Okay, God, thank you. You know, not being able to be manipulated because the discernment stops it. Not being able to, to open your ears to every speaker that is out there because some of them can be wrong. I've shared with you a couple of times, even, even on the channel that I listen to, which has mostly good speakers on it, every once in a while those guys say dumb things. I'm sure that I say dumb things every once in a while, and you all need the discernment to be able to say, well, that just wasn't quite spiritually correct. Not that I ever plan on it, or never, not that I plan on leading people wrong, but I am human. I am human and will make mistakes as I go along too. And this discernment is important to be able to say that wasn't correct. That wasn't good advice. That wasn't, that wasn't biblical. That wasn't godly advice. Because it is so important that we walk with God and we learn to listen to God. And listening to God is, a, is a, quite an interesting adventure for us to learn to listen to him. Because he doesn't come out like a roaring lion that can be heard five miles away. He comes out with a still, small voice that says, are you listening? Are you listening? I heard a story one time about three men that were trying to get a, to get a job at a telegraph office. They all interviewed. They all, talked, they all went through their, their test, and they did real well. And they told them to go in the waiting room, and, and, and they would be called in when it was time to, to, to see who got the job. And while they were out there sitting, talking, they were, they were actually using the telegraph to, over the PA to say, come in, you've got the job. And only one guy finally understood that he was hearing the telegraph noises over there, and he realized that it was the, te the final test was, would you actually hear the telegraph? Yeah, the dot, 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 dash. Yeah. Uh, so, and one of them finally got up and came in and said, you know, am I the one you want to go get the job? And they go, you're the first one in, yes. So, you know, but the idea, how many times have you not paid attention to sound around you? We all get to the place where we can not, you know, get to the place where we don't hear sound. Most, many of us will play the radio in the background and we're not really, truly listening to it. You know, we're, our mind is hearing it and everything, but we're not really listening to it. It's just background noise. That's a TV at my house. TVs, a lot of people use TVs for background noise. 
And sometimes in the spiritual world, we get so busy on our day-to-day -day life that we're not listening to the spirit, to what's well, going on spiritually around us. Like I'll get checks, and if I don't go and do it, it'll bug me. It'll irritate me more and more until I do it. Yeah. And God will do that oftentimes. He'll just he'll keep it there. Keep it there in your mind. Until you do it. Until you do it. And, or, or it gets too late to do. Yeah. But he's good at this. He, he, it, but it's always very quiet and very... When, when you wake up in the middle of the night with somebody, somebody's, somebody on your mind, it's a good idea to pray for them. Maybe call them if, you're, if they're really good friends, but at least pray for them. And then usually you'll find out that they were going through something hard, usually right at the time that you had them on your heart. And it's very important that we learn to listen to God and walk that way. When, you know, and I've learned to, when, when somebody's name pops into my head, I'll usually give a prayer right then. And sometimes if it's during the daytime or something, I'll even give them a call and see, how's everything going? Are you doing okay? Because usually if somebody's name pops in my head, it's, I believe that it's God trying to teach me to, to care for them. And if their name pops into my head while I'm driving, I just say a quick prayer for them and say, God, I don't know what it is that's wrong, but you deal with it. And a couple people I think of oftentimes when I pray, and I just pray you know, as I'm driving, and I'll just pray for them. So I, we want to be able to listen. Listen to God and respond. The more we listen to him, the more, the more we practice something, the easier it gets. And we've talked about this over and over again. All spiritual gifts are the same way. All spiritual activities the same way. I, the, I learn to walk in a spiritual gift more and more. If I want to learn forgiveness, I start forgiving people, and I, and I get more and more people to forgive. And then, of course, the test gets harder and harder with a bigger thing to have to forgive. You start out with little things. Little things are easy to forgive. And then God says, okay, now I want you to forgive this person that did this to you. And you go, oh, no way, God, I can't forgive that. And, you know, and God is saying, no, I want you to keep going. I want you to keep going and moving forward in it. We learn to forgive. We learn to read the scriptures. We learn to, to walk in faith. We learn to pray. You know, pray by doing more and more praying. And I'll be honest, praying has never been one of my strongest gifts. I have to work at praying for people. And I use lists and I use you know, special times. And, but God is working in that area as well. It's like telepathic. I can think of somebody I haven't heard from in a long time and I can just kind of pray think about him and say, I wish he'd call me, I wish he'd call me, and boom, the phone ring, and it blows the guy's mind how I have, he says, how'd you do that? I go, well, I just think about that person that I hadn't heard from a long time, and it, it just, it just, and it said there is no coincidence. I think God is just preparing your heart to be able to talk to them at the time. It was no coincidence that they were thinking the same thought I was, that I was, uh, I've heard from Mark in a long time, heard from me in a long time. Yeah. And it would be somebody I hadn't talked to in years. Yeah. And in, in 1 Corinthians, we're going to skip a bunch of sections. because Paul starts talking about that we're a body. And he goes, they're all, all arms, all, all eyes. And, and then we want to, we want to drill jump down to verse 28 and God has set some in the church first apostles secondarily prophets third teachers after that miracles and gifts of healing helps government diversity of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of miracles have all the gifts of healing do all speak with tongues 
do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I you in a more excellent way. No, he starts talking about love. Because he's going to say that love is the greatest gift. Prophesize, and if you've done more than, and it comes to pass more than twice, makes you a prophet. And that's in the spirit, in the book somewhere, but it's, uh, if, if, if you become really good at it, and, and you do it two or three times, or, or well, twice, they say, if you do it any more than twice, it's like, it's like a miracle. But if you do it a bunch of times, it makes you a prophet. Not just prophecy, but makes you a prophet. And we all have that gift of being well, a prophet. A prophet, as I said, is one who speaks with the authority of God. So the closer you are with God, the more you're going to be able to be a prophet. Exactly. In the Old Testament, there was we're told that there was a school of prophets. They actually taught people to be prophets. Now, that doesn't mean that they all spoke about future events. Right. But their school of prophets was very much the same as what we would call a seminary, where you learn to read the scriptures and speak authoritatively for God. There are things that I can be very authoritative about. I know that sin is sin. I can tell you what the sins are in the scriptures. I can be very strong about what the sins are. When somebody comes up to me and says, well, I feel led to have this relationship with this unsaved person, I'm going, no, well, you may feel led to it, but you're not, you're being led by yourself, not by God, because God says, don't be un, unequally yoked. If somebody comes to say, well, God is leading me into this homosexual relationship, no, God has not. He calls homosexuality sin. There's certain things that we can be very dogmatic and speak with God about the more we know about the scriptures. And so that is being a prophet. Uh, and if anybody is successful at telling the future, they're successful only because the Holy Spirit is giving them the ability to do it. Uh, and that's important. Now, number one, are they prophesying something that's spe yeah, specific that you can verify? Or is it like Nostradamus and all these people want, they all, right. in our current world? Well, this, this thing and this thing might happen, and it's so general that you know, it's almost guaranteed that it's going to happen. And so we want to be very careful about that because everything has to be through the Spirit. It, it is all through the Spirit. He says, you know, are all apostles? And his answer was no. You know, he's basically meaning no. Not all are apostles. Uh, not all are prophets. Not all are teachers. Not all work miracles. Not all have gift of healing. And then I love this one because this is the one that blows away a lot of the people. Not all speak in tongues. And not all interpret. Diversities of tongues. Diversity of tongues. Well, yeah. Diversity. So he's basically saying that you may not have these gifts. You know, definitely not, all people will not have these gifts. Because he knew that what people do, and this happens all the time, is they raise the gift up above the giver. They make the gift so important that it's more important than God himself. And this happens in a lot of churches that raise up tongues as the, as the big gift. If you don't have tongues, you don't have anything. Well... God is the one that gives. Why aren't you worried about having a relationship with God more than the relationship with the gift? And we want to be very careful because we can do this all the time. I've talked many times about how we can get blessed by God and start getting to the place where we stop seeing it as a blessing, but we see it as a normal way of life. We place the gift that God gave us of the blessing above him. 
And this is important for us to be careful of, that we don't place his benefits, his gifts, his, his benefits to us above him. That we stay focused on God at all times because he is what's important in our life. I love to get into God's word and sometimes I you know, get to the place where this is really important to me and I forget to pray and, and everything else and I have to kick myself and say, no, God is more important. This is his word, but I've got to focus on him. I've got to listen to him. Because I could get all the knowledge in the Bible and then I'll just become a Pharisee or a scribe and you know, be able to use it as a weapon against people instead of this is, this is the truth of God. And we need love. And this is where Paul says at the end of this verse, but I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which is called the love chapter, and he defines what love is. And it's a very active. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love envies not. Love seeks not its own way. And this is the important thing. When, when we look at love, love allows us to put others before us, put their needs ahead of us, put their desires ahead of us. And why do so many marriages fail? Because truly they're not loving one another. And they bring up the past a lot of what I did for you. You know, I did that for you. And then they say, well, I did this for you. Don't you remember? I did this. Yeah, because they're basing their love on... on, on and so we've done a lot together for each other, by each other. Like you said, do not put others ahead of us. Yeah. And we or, see it often in churches where people are not willing to serve one another and help each other out or, or build each other up. And that is not love. Love is going to be kind to somebody. Whether they deserve it or not is irrelevant to love. Whether they've been nice to me is irrelevant because love says I'm going to reach out to them. Jesus said if you want to be the, the master, you need to be the servant to all. And that's turning things upside down quite a bit. You know, the world says you know, the master is the one who can rule the best and control everybody. And God's saying, no, you're going to, just, you're going to serve because he came to serve. He came to do things for people. He, he managed to, to lift people up and elevate them. Wow. So love is important. Love is the whole linchpin of everything we do as Christians. If we cannot love, we've got a problem. We, may not, we probably don't know God. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So we need love to be expressed to us, expressed through us, not to us, expressed through us to others. Because that is what it blows people's mind. The world does not expect to be loved when they're unlovely or unlovable. And when we show love to them, number one, their first thought is, well, what's your angle? What are you trying to get from me? But when they realize that you are truly expressing love to them, it just blows their mind because it's not something that they can do. They cannot fathom how you can love them. I mistreated you and yet you're not mistreating me, you're loving me. I was mean to you and you're, and you're still showing me kindness. Uh, I've I'm, I'm been obnoxious and, and you're still showing me kindness or love. You're reaching out, you're trying to help. And this is where it's important. We express God's love. God showed us love when we deserved nothing but punishment. And he shows us love. 
He sent Jesus Christ to save us when we deserved nothing. We were his enemies. Jesus went to the cross even though everybody seemed to hate him at that time. And he still went to the cross for us. That is love in action in a great way. The times when you see people's lives change to you, and we talked a little bit about this you know, Sunday night, how as we show love to people, they eventually start showing back at least kindness, maybe not love, but they at least show back kindness. And, and there's a question in their mind, what, what, is, what is different about this person? That basically is love. When we get God so fully in us that we start truly loving other people, and my way is not important. I'm not the one that's going to be the one that's the, the, the answer. I, I place others before me. Our marriages get stronger. Our relationships with other people get stronger. Our church gets stronger as we love one another. Nothing's worse than to walk into a church where everybody's icy cold to each other because they've been offended and, and this person's done this and this person's done that and, and you're holding, holding grudges against everybody. It is a wonderful feeling to walk into a church where people love one another. Now, does that mean they're going to be your best friend? Not necessarily. Well, you can't be their friend until you let it go. Yeah. You've got to let go of the past. You've got to go forward with this. And that's why love will lead to forgiveness and, and love will lead to re, renewal of, of relationships. Love will, love will knock out the problems in places because it will show you how to do this. And if you want to understand love, the best chapter in the world, for the best definition for true godly love is 1 Corinthians 13, which we're not going to read right now, but you all know, you all know the, the verse, you know, the, the verse. And if you're reading the King James, it says charity, but just substitute love for it. And if you really want to make the substitution, make agape in there because that's un, he's talking about unconditional love in that chapter. And unconditional true love is a choice. We choose to love, otherwise it's not true love. Otherwise we're just dealing with emotions and, and infatuations. But true love is a choice, and we wouldn't want it any other way. And we take the romantic part out of it. Now, we take the whole romance out of love when we say it's a choice, but it really is, and it has to be. God has chosen to love us, therefore he will love us until he chooses not to love us. And he doesn't change, so he will never choose to not love us. He chooses to love us, and therefore, he loves us. When I do counseling for couples that want to get married, one of the things we talk about is love. Why do you love this individual? And if it's anything other than I choose to, you've got the wrong answer. Because otherwise, you're going to have a point where you're just going to not be in love anymore because the feelings are gone. But if you're basing your love on I choose to love this person, then the only reason you can tell me that you fell out of love is that you chose not to love anymore. And that's an important aspect for us. We as a church need to walk in agape love where we choose to love one another. And that means no matter how wicked or bitter or evil you get toward me, I'm going to love you until I say I choose not to love you. And if I'm true to God, I'm not going to choose not to love you anymore because I want you to respond to God's love and I want to be that conduit that shows God's love. Now, am I perfect in that aspect of love? No. <laughs> None of us will ever be perfect in that. But if we always keep it in the back of our mind that I have chosen to love somebody, that means I have chosen not to love them. I am in control of my emotions. My emotions are not in control of me. 
And that's important for us to understand that. I need to be the one that controls my emotions. I cannot let myself be controlled by my emotions. And we all understand that. How many of us would have committed murder if our emotions kept were in control of us? I've had plenty of people I've been mad enough at and angry enough at to commit murder, but I was in control of my emotions and said, no, we're not going there. Uh, we are in control of what we do. I'm in control of my covetous nature when I want something. I'm in control enough of it to put the emotions down and say, no, I'm not stealing from this person. So it's important for us to understand we control our emotions. Now, sometimes our emotions get the better of us in a moment, but we are still who we are. And love is a controlled emotion that I choose to love. And that means I place others before me. One o'clock, two o'clock, any questions or comments? Very interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Very, uh, <coughs> the nine manifestations, I really get to that. It's really been a really great uh, teaching you gave today. Thank you. I totally enjoyed it. Um, I agree with Mark on that one. And um, it's just like, I'm so very thankful for God and his gifts and his miracles and the prophecies that he does have, you know, because it, it lifts up our spirits when we're in our human flesh and our feelings at times. So if we take his strength, then we don't have those certain type of inadequate feelings or unloved feelings because he always is in love with us no matter what we do. He will always love us because he has chosen to love us. And it's going to break his heart when people reject him and he has to send them to where they wanted to go, which is hell. And that is going to be the hardest thing for God to do is, is as much as he loves people, to see them when they've rejected him. All right, let's uh, close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the lesson today on, on gifts and that you give to those gifts that you want them to have. And we just ask that you will help us to learn to seek you in all things, to always look at you, the giver, not the gifts, not the, not the benefits that you give us, but that we will always seek after you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.